March 3rd, 2020. Wow, we're into March. Best month of the year, March. My birthday's in March, yeah. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Uh, I do gotta give a shout out to my grandma, Helen, who passed away, I guess back in 2012, 13. She was my favorite person in the entire world. Today was uh, March 3rd, her birthday. Absolute, my, my favorite person. Uh, we just had this unbelievable connection. Um, and I was very lucky because almost my whole life I lived with her. She lived with uh, my mom and dad and me and my sister in Temple City. And then I was, I guess, out for like a few years uh, when I had moved out. And then I moved back in after... Uh, a relationship went awry, and <laughs> and Grandma was uh, was there, and it was nice to be able to spend some time with her again too. So I have to say uh, hello to to Helen. Hope you're doing well up there, Grandma. And March third, happy birthday. So fun show coming up. We will talk a little college basketball, little couple NBA thoughts, and a couple wrestling thoughts on WWE and All Elite Wrestling. Then we have a, uh, an interview with Carl Broberg, the leading trainer in North America every year since 2014, the, the most wins each and every year. And we talk with him for a while about you know, how he does it, what makes him so successful, and then we break down some specifics. We get into some of his horses that are running this week at Sam Houston on Wednesday, and then I'm going to close things out with the Sam Houston Wednesday card. So let's... uh. Start with a little college basketball. So last week was a massive week for really the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 right now has seven teams in some of the the NCAA tournament brackets that some of the bracketologists out there have been doing. And, and the wins by USC and UCLA were huge because USC and UCLA both swept the Arizona schools. And now they've set up a game this week where USC is going to play UCLA on Saturday, the winner of that game will almost certainly be in the tournament. The loser might have to end up winning the Pac-12 tournament if they want to get in. It just depends on everyone else around, but that's that's how close things are, and that's how many teams are in the bubble from like the last like twelve to fourteen teams that are in to the the next you know eight to ten that are out. There's like twenty five teams in the margin. Between like of error for all of them is not huge, and this is this is going to be fun. I mean, this is when college basketball is at its absolute best, right? We're into March now. We are going to get the conference tournaments coming up. We got one more week, then we have conference tournaments, and then we have the NCAA tournament starting. Those two days, that Thursday, Friday, the first two days of the tournament, and not the play-in days. I'm talking that Thursday when the games start at like 9:15, and you got 16 games Thursday, 16 games Friday. Those are my favorite two sports days of the year. Probably my favorite two days of the year. And I'm not even as huge of a college basketball fan. I mean, I'm a big sports fan, and I like college basketball, but I'm not as big of a fan of just pure college basketball as I am of, let's say, you know, the NBA or, uh, you know, probably, probably football. But the, those two days, that Thursday, Friday, there is nothing, nothing like it. Let's talk about some of the uh, the movers and the shakers. Kansas went back up to number one, but ba- Baylor had a big win um, over Texas Tech on Monday night in overtime. But Baylor and Kansas kind of 
up up at the top. And Gonzaga jumped up. Uh, Dayton is up to three in the AP Top 25. And, you know, going through Kentucky 6, Florida State, Seton Hall is eight. They they are tough. I'm really high on Seton Hall. Uh, Maryland's nine, Louisville's 10, Creighton's 11, Duke's 12. Duke had a bad week, but they beat up North Carolina State on Monday night, so they're probably going to still be hovering right around uh, the top 10 or so. Oregon 13, Villanova 14, BYU is 15. They're going to be a tough team in the tournament. Keep an eye on them. Michigan State 16, Auburn 17, Iowa 18, Ohio State 19, Penn State 20, Houston 21, Virginia 22, Illinois 23, Wisconsin 24, and Michigan rounding out your top 25 there. So huge, huge week. We will have Keeneland Dan, Dan Cronin on later in the week to preview that USC-UCLA game, talk about everything happening over the last couple days of college basketball and what to look forward to um, as far as the Pac-12 and you know branching out even more. Dan's always a great interview, so we'll be talking with Keeneland Dan later this week on That's What G Said. In the NBA, I just I don't think enough is being made about the Milwaukee Bucks right now, and it's it's funny that I'm I'm doing this after a night where they got beat up by the Heat and Giannis had one of his worst games. But I think regardless of if they win it all this year or not, we have to just mention what they've done through 60 games so far. The point differential that they have right now, which is 12.33, even after getting beat up against Miami, they're 52 and nine. They lost by 16 to Miami. But they have a 12.33 point differential. That means they are winning each game on an average of 12.33 points. Which is so good that it would be the absolute best ever. Yes, I'm talking the best ever. The best point differential ever is 12.28 by the Los Angeles Lakers 1971-72. So this Milwaukee team is on pace to literally be the most dominant NBA basketball regular season team that we've ever seen based on point differential. When you look through the top 30, and and there's like almost nothing fluky about this list of teams, right? Like point differential at this level, there's nothing fluky about it over an 82-game season. There can be fluky things in a, in a couple weeks. If you beat someone by 30, you know, then it really jumps it all up. And if you never get blown out and you're just a team that's competitive all the time, these these teams beat the crap out of you. So, you know, look, looking at the top 30 seasons of all time, you have, you know, some of the early 70s Bucks, 71, 72 Milwaukee Bucks. 70, uh, 70, 71, you have all the good Bulls teams. You have 95, 96 Bulls, 96, 97 Bulls. You have 91, 92 Bulls. You have 90, 91 Bulls. You have the Warriors teams from 2014 and 2015, and then from 2015 and 2016 and 2016 and 2017. You you have you know a couple Lakers teams. You have the Spurs on there. Uh, you have just the who's who in the best teams in the history of basketball and this Milwaukee team is above all of them that's unbelievable it really is what they're doing they're not just winning games and beating a, like a weak conference they're beating the crap out of everybody and I'm a Lakers fan but I just think they deserve a little bit more praise for what they've done this year 
couple Laker notes now. We saw the Lakers, they waived Troy Daniels, so the Lakers have an open roster spot now. And it looks like it's going to be down to two who the Lakers are deciding to pick up. Dion Waiters or J.R. Smith. Now, J.R. Smith, we remember he made kind of the bonehead play in the end of the finals game, and and everybody remembers him from that. But J.R. Smith was good prior to that. My my problem with J.R. Smith is he has not played competitive basketball since like November of 2018. It's been a long, long time. I would much prefer Dion Waiters. I think Dion Waiters is kind of in in the the same uh, vein as where Dwight Howard was. Right? It's someone who you can take a shot on, and if they don't work out, if they don't play well, if they aren't buying in, then you just cut them. You just cut them. You just cut them, and you don't play them. Simple. It's not someone who you're looking to be a huge part of your team. Well, what the Lakers need is they need someone for about 10 minutes of the game, maybe two five-minute spurts to be able to help run an offense or just get their own shot and maybe just get one or two others a shot when LeBron needs a little rest. That's it. When LeBron's on the court, the Lakers are the Lakers are set up pretty well to always have a chance to win. Because LeBron's going to make the right play. I like a lot of the pieces that they have around LeBron, right? KCP, Avery Bradley, Caruso. They fit well around LeBron when LeBron's handling the ball. It's just when LeBron goes off the court, when he needs to take a break and they bring Rondo into the game, that's when they get into trouble because they don't have anyone else that can handle the ball for a little bit. Can Waiters at least get himself a couple shots? Now we're talking about someone who only played three games this year and he was suspended three times with the Miami Heat. But here are some of the positives about Waiters. He's already met with the Lakers. He worked out for them. And then he met with them. And he's owned up to his mistakes and his errors. He made it clear that he was willing to accept any role in LA. And when LeBron is on your team, I think it's a little bit harder to be a you know role player, end of the bench guy, and to be acting up. I don't think a lot of people are going to do that on a team like this that's already set up well and has good veterans. They have guys like Jared Dudley who will talk some sense into you. They have Dwight on there who's kind of the benchmark for doing something like this, maybe like uh, reforming your career. This could be something good for Waiters. If he's able to come in and play some good minutes off the bench, help the Lakers win a playoff game or two, this could give him an opportunity to kind of revamp his reputation. The Lakers need to be in a situation where they're not expecting a whole lot out of him. But anything that he gives them is icing on the cake. Because anything that he gives them is going to be, unfortunately, more than what Troy Daniels was giving him. And I like Troy Daniels. He's a, he's a shooter. The problem is, is that his skill set was very similar to what Quinn Cook gives you. And neither of them can really play defense. Neither of them can really consistently, I think, get their own shot. They're more of, you know, spot-up shooter types that, that aren't quite, you know, facilitators. And when you look at Waiters, he he knows Rob Palinka. Rob Palinka was his former agent. So he's going to be around Palinka. His current agent is Rich Paul with Clutch. I think Rich Paul and LeBron probably have a good idea of who this guy is. And I think he's worth taking a shot on. To me, he's the type of player that cannot do a whole lot for three or four games, and then he can get hot in a five-minute to ten-minute spurt and win you a game. 
He did it this year uh, in Miami in one of the only three games he played. He didn't win the game for them, but he got unbelievably hot in just this short little spurt, and it was it was really incredible. He ended up um, in what in, what was uh let's see I gotta pull up the numbers here. It was fourteen. He played a total of he scored fourteen points in a game where he only played eighteen minutes. He hit four threes. He was five of twelve from the field. He hit four threes, and he had five rebounds and two assists, and he had two blocks. So that's the kind of a game that, that the Lakers will be looking for from him. He can light it up. He is a career from three point. Uh, very good from from three in his career. I got the numbers, but my papers are all over the place. Yeah, he's a thirty four percent three point shooter from his career, nearly thirty five. And in twenty eighteen, when we saw him play forty four games, he was a thirty seven percent three point shooter, and he shot forty seven percent this year. And obviously. An unbelievably small sample size. He only played three games. Three suspensions this year. And he only played three games. They and he got traded to the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies literally just cut him. They they were fine with eating the money that he was owed. So, you know, anytime you bring someone like this in, do you want to bring someone who has a, a checkered history? Who has, you know, not been a very good teammate this year and, and many times before, who's been a little bit selfish on the court? Those are the same things that we were asking about Dwight, and Dwight has been the model citizen. He has been an unbelievable teammate all year long. I, um, I'm, I'm fine taking the shot with it. I really am. You don't have to give anything up. You didn't have to make a trade for someone like this. Uh, I like it. I, I like the move, and I hope the Lakers go get waiters. I want to see them make the move and and go and get waiters. And then we're looking at a Lakers team who now, I mean, the Markeith Morris edition has been great for them so far. He just gives them a little bit of a a versatility, a little bit more size. You know, Alex Regla, who we have on the show, he he talks about how Markeith boxes out. Watch Markeith Morris on a free throw. He gets you hard. He puts his butt right into you, pushes you out of the way, and... Just another little move will give the Lakers a lot more depth. Then we're looking at a Lakers team who, you know, you don't really feel bad about. Almost, you know, 10, 11 deep. I don't think Dudley and Cook will probably get a ton of minutes. You know, Dudley's the type of guy who, if things go, somebody gets hurt or, you know, you get in foul trouble and you need to go a little smaller, he can give you a few minutes here and there. But Dudley's presence is much more on the bench and and being, you know, a locker room guy. But if you're looking at a Lakers team that, you know, is LeBron and Anthony Davis and Danny Green, and Avery Bradley, and JaVale McGee, and then when they come off the bench, you know, you have Dwight Howard, and Kuzma, and Caruso, and Markeith, and now you have, you know, KCP, and uh, and then you, you add, you know, Rondo to that, um, when, you know, maybe you can get a, a couple good playoff games from him. Rondo's awful, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, sell anyone on Rondo. Maybe you can get a few. But if, if he keeps getting bumped farther down the bench because you can get a few extra minutes from Waiters... That That is what the Lakers need to do. They need to be able to... They don't need to do a lot. They just need to be able to make sure those minutes when LeBron are not LeBron is not on the court are not terrible. That's really it. They just can't be the absolute worst thing in the world. Okay. Let us take a quick commercial break. And then when we return, it's going to be interview with Carl Broberg... America's 
North America's leading trainer in wins from 2014 on. So uh, after this break, it'll be time for some Sam Houston. We'll talk with Carl Broberg. Enjoy the interview. And then at the at the end, we start talking a little bit more about the uh, the Wednesday races for Sam Houston. And then we'll talk some uh, Wednesday handicapping immediately following that one. Just wanted to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your entire purchase. These are all natural soy wax candle. They candles, they burn longer. They are better for you than the candles out there that have that traditional paraffin wax. Uh, I know the people from this company personally. I've grown up with them my whole life. They love candles. And the goal was to, to have an affordable candle that everyone can enjoy use that promo code G-I-N-O my favorite is Fresh Roses the Fresh Roses scent is awesome if you're a horse racing fan they got Del Mar in there you ever want to know what Del Mar smells like but you couldn't make it out there order your candle right now from Sarah Candle Company the website C-E-R-A Candles.com Sarah Candles.com promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your purchase That's what G said podcast. Very happy to welcome a new guest onto the show. We'll be talking with trainer Carl Broberg in just one minute. But before we bring him in, we got to give him an introduction because yeah, he is very deserving of an introduction. He's up over 3,500 career wins now. He has been the leading trainer in North America by wins in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. In 2018 and 2019, he has jumped into the top 10 in earnings. He continues to just shatter personal records and personal bests year in and year out. And when you're talking about, you know, the claiming ranks, you're going to be mentioning his name as one of the best out there via percentages, uh, via training titles, a little bit of everything. Hey, and, and don't forget, he's a damn good handicapper too. He was at the NHC this year. Carl, did I did I forget anything? What else do we need? To, what else do we need for the intro? You left out degenerate horse player, but okay. other than that, you hit it okay. all. Good, good. So we gotta just check off degenerate horse player. Check. I knew it because Dave Weaver, my buddy, said he met you out there at uh in Vegas uh, either this year or the last couple of years. He said you'll like Carl. So I, I figured he must be a degen if Dave if Dave got along with you. That is uh, very <laughs> very true. <laughs> so let's uh we're gonna kind of talk a little bit about your background and then we'll get into some specifics about Sam Houston and and Wednesday and then who else uh, some of the horses you have throughout the week. First and foremost. How the hell did you get into horse racing? What made you become, I guess, first it was a gambler before anything, right? Uh, my dad would uh, pull me out of school occasionally to, to go play the horses at Arlington Park. And I immediately fell in love with the sport, the pageantry, the, the, every, everything just, I was in awe of it. And... I began to immerse myself in it when I was very young and, and the passion just never left. Um, even when I, uh, through, throughout my different jobs that I had, I always, I'd always gravitate toward, towards the horses. I'd play them whenever I could. Um, I wanted to find a, a way to further get into the game. Um, I had a stint as a, as a groom and realized that it was going to be impossible to uh, support a family on that sort of salary. Mm-hmm. So it was a fun experience. 
and got out of it, always played the horses, but uh, abandoned that part of the dream. I considered being a jockey agent at one point, and then I had the opportunity to uh, to claim a couple of horses, became a horse owner for a while, and I was the worst owner imaginable. I was constantly <laughs> at the constantly at the barn just sticking your nose in the business the quest. yeah yeah just wanted to be involved right yeah yep <laughs> and uh then the uh the trainer at that time he uh says well if you're gonna be here around all the time he kind of put me to work and i enjoyed it and we had a little bit of success he started talking about retirement and the next thing i know i uh took over that operation and and so now you have, I mean, one of the biggest operations out there. So I'm curious, like, with someone like you, how, like, how many kind of numbers overall do you have? And like, what is what is a typical, like, so I guess a couple different questions all in one, and we could tackle them. However, like, how many do you have? What kind of staff do you have? And like, what's a typical day like for you? Well, the 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 short answer to that is, I have the best team out there and that's why we're able to have the success that we do while running at multiple venues at the same time um the generic answer for how many i have in training is never enough (laughs) um we have approximately 160 head right now and we'd like to see it uh at at least 200 and hope hopefully we'll get there and so couple questions too with with i'm always i'm interested in things like this so when you have your like someone like you who's claiming so many horses is your staff at all like different tracks do they know all of your all of your horses you know your assistants there and are they kind of helping you go you know what this course who you've got at sam houston might be maybe better here at delta or vice versa well, well that that would be my call um but i i ex- i listen to the input that they sure. have sure but uh normally uh Normally, all those decisions are mine. And but you, my my guys, the the typical day we start, it starts early, and whenever you have this number of horses in training, or even if you have a few, there's there's always problems. So you're you're constantly putting out fires and and getting bad news and having to deliver it and. It just it it doesn't end. I mean, it, every day starts early and ends really late. And for you, I mean, being a, a family man, also like you're you're just juggling multiple hats. So like, what where is your home base right now? And um, like, what what's your like your specific type day like like day like? Well, when- the Delta Downs meet just ended. I've got a farm that's uh, less than a mile from there where I spend a lot of time. We're coming up on my favorite meet, which is Lone Star Park, just because it's home. So uh, I'll be there for the entirety nice. of that meet, and uh, we're gearing up. Uh, we're gearing up for it. We're going to be ready. And there's been a lot of positive changes in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's touch on that real quick too. I mean, the TT. What's what I love about what's happening in Texas is that you know, like some race tracks. And what what I what's really cool about you is you've got this like um, just a different. Dynamic that you bring to training horses Because you just were the customer The better, the horse player You know, that's how you got into it So you look at it from more of a horse player Standpoint too when you're claiming And you're and you're figuring out where to run horses And where they fit And it's it's so cool what what 
they've done in Texas And I've been so pleased with, with Sam Houston Just like covering the races there every day now Because they got money in And they were able to put the money back Into the customers and the horse players The horse men A little bit of everything They didn't they, they did a really good job of like not forgetting anyone by building up the purses. They have a little bit of incentives. They kept the takeout low. They moved up to HD. The product is a little bit better. You know, I think this has been a really, really good couple months there at Sam Houston. Uh, all of the above is true. And uh, I think we can expect Lone Star Park to do something very similar to that, even though they are owned by a separate entity. So, so yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it is, and so for you, you um, handicapping the races. What is something like? What are like when you break down a card and when you start handicapping the races? What are a lot of the things that are important to you that you're looking at? Well, when you most of my handicapping that I do is uh, is is scouting out horses to claim. Mm-hmm. Um, DRF formulator is amazing for, oh, in yeah. that perspective. Oh, yeah. yeah, to me, it's the best tool there that's, is. That's what I use. Yep, yep. And you have to watch a lot of race replays. I mean, everybody gets the same speed figures, the same numbers. So you have to do something from a player's perspective if you're wanting to find value. And uh, the the place where that's generally found is by by simply watching replays. So because there are things you're just never going to see in charts, and you have to know the horses intimately so when you're like okay well this one did lose to this one but you just you get a feel after you followed them for so long how they'll match up in their uh, their next spots yeah they i try to tell people a lot because you know when we're all handicappers and there's no we're gonna have good runs we're gonna have bad runs as gamblers and 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 you know as horse players and to me it's there's never been like a magic formula there are you know some things you can look at that can help you out a little bit but i don't feel like i know a horse or a race until i've watched their replay then i then everything else starts to make a little bit of sense you know once you've watched them run a couple times you can see oh yeah you know what that wasn't quite in the comment line or you know what they broke a little quicker than it looks like they did on paper or, or you know what this course you know he really seemed like he wanted to go a little bit longer like he, he was his stride was just so much better late it's just things that you find you know like you mentioned and that's where in this day and age where there's so much information out there i think that's the only way to get a little bit of an advantage is to just try to still outwork people right that's what it's, you got to try to do that proves true in every endeavor and as data has become more accessible back when i first started I mean, the trainer angles and stuff of that nature, it wasn't compiled in the form. No. You, either knew, you either knew it or you didn't. So those people that, that followed it damn near religiously would be able to say, hey, this, this, sure, this is, guy's a small outfit and he doesn't have a bunch of wins, but he really excels with, with the certain thing. And, Second time starter or whatever. Yes. The, yeah. And, you know. and on, Unfortunately, uh, all, or I say unfortunately, maybe it is for the better of the sport that all that is available now. Yeah. But it does make it a lot harder to uh, to find an edge. That's why. Yeah. You know, especially I go back to the replays. 
Yeah, especially in a day and age when, like, you know, for me, I'm I'm out for here in Southern California, and I unfortunately, like, I can't even really play the races out here too much anymore, you know, because the fields are getting smaller. Some it's like you're finding out there's just less kind of less opportunities to really find good value, you know, and, and with all that information out there, it's become it's become like a lot harder to to really have a good score and to have a a really good day. And, and unfortunately, that's one of those things that I mean. It's not just California where no. you see smaller fields everywhere. And, and, uh, and it's sad. It's, it's, it's sad for the sport. So, so let's talk a little bit about um, how successful you've been just from, from day one. And I, and you know, we're, t- I think a lot of it goes in hand in hand with the handicapping aspect, because what, what we noticed with you and, 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 you know, like I've, I've, I was, you know, reading up a little bit and researching and I've, you know, followed you quite a bit from when I was on TVG covering Delta a lot and, 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 you know, seeing how well you did, but like, you know, you've mentioned a lot of time, there's always going to be people asking, why do you do so well? And how come you win so much? And, and I, I think there are like a couple of very simple answers to that question, aren't there? There, there is first, it starts with taking care of the horse. I mean, you, you, you try, you feed better, you work to feed better than everybody does. You work to take care of the problems so that you're getting the maximum performance from them every time you start them. And then it's also about placement. I mean, no matter how good you take care of a horse, if you enter in the wrong spot, Guess what? It doesn't matter how well you took care of the athlete. Yep. And uh, when when you're in a climbing race, if you're leading a horse up in a climbing race, and you don't fear there's a chance of somebody taking him, you can bet you're in the wrong spot. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and but, I, I I think what with you too, what's nice is that. It's one of those things where it's probably a double-edged sword Obviously it's a lot more work for you But when you're able to look through so many different condition books At so many different places Like you have a real good gauge Of where these horses should fit And where they belong And you're fine, you know what Like I've seen you do it a bunch And it happens And like you've even said you do it a bunch You claim a horse for 10 You you take them back to your barn You look at them for a while And you go, you know what This horse is going to win If we put them in for 4 or for 5 That's what you're going to do if sometimes that's what you sometimes that's what you have to do. Yep. Um, my my favorite is to look for horses that still have their first level allowance condition out there, and I don't know how many times we've done it. It's well over a hundred where I've claimed a five thousand dollar horse, won the first level allowance, which will have a purse somewhere between twenty five to forty five thousand, depending on the track. You you clear that condition. And then you put the horse right back in for what you took him for. Yeah, it's just it's there's just people that um, I think a lot of the times, depending on who your owners are and and what's what's like who what's backing you, you you can't people don't want to be so aggressive, and that kind of comes to you from day one put your money right where your mouth is because like a ton of your barn wins and your barn earnings are from your ownership group, and let's talk a little bit about. That group. This is actually this kind of the same name of of what used to be uh, your your ad agency, correct? Right, and End Zone Athletics, and uh, the horses I own, I own out of necessity, is because I have to keep everybody gainfully employed. Um, I would prefer that they all be client horses, but th- that's just 
not the way it works. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I do key it probably. I probably own almost half half my stable, which means that there's no training bills uh, being paid by anybody other than myself. So you have to enter them where they belong. And, and when are we going to uh, when are we going to get you some nice two year olds out there and get you on a, on the derby trail? How's how's that sound? Well, I would advise any client when we do get that horse, we'll be selling long before we get to the Kentucky Derby because I'll be advising them to take the cash. Yeah, um, you got you to do what's best for them, right? Yeah. Yes, I do have a few owners that have uh, given us some opportunities, and we've made the most of those small opportunities when the, when they present themselves, and it, it'll come. It's just one of those things that it takes time. You you get labeled as a as a claiming trainer and it makes people less apt to send you younger horses, but our stats with the younger horses aren't that bad either. No, and so it's the- one of those things. It'll, it'll, I don't lose sleep over it. I long, I long for the day when it happens, but uh, all I can do is play the hand that's dealt to me to the best of my ability. Okay, I want to ask a specific about this this one horse, and then talk about some of the the horses that have been like very memorable to you. So start kind of thinking about okay. that, or or maybe some of your favorites. I, I, but I've got a few. But before before we get there, you did an unbelievable job last week. I you come like with the horse named I'm a barn cat, who you brought back on three days to win a race after finishing second three days before. And when I saw the horse in the entries, it, I was kind of talking it out, and I was like. This, there's no way this horse is going to run And I was like well if, if the horse runs It'll be very very live and it's going to be tough But I was like this horse isn't going to come back And sure enough comes back Looks great wins I'm Like what? what is the reasoning Why you do you're, you do Something like that or like what makes you think oh, You know what let's just well, reel this horse back real quick You, you have to be very Judicious with it um, There are some horses you can Do it with there mm-hmm. are others that you can't Um it used to be a much bigger part of the game than what it is now. Yeah. Oh yeah. And horses were just built a little bit more for it, you know, years ago. Right. Well, I mean, there might be a, a little bit of truth to that, but the, for some reason we've, the optics of it have changed where where people think that you're some by by doing that, you're not doing right by the animal, and there's just there's no truth to that. No, no, that's a good point. Um, so it's something I take pride in. There have been many states that have uh, done done away with the the ability to do that because uh, they don't let you run them back that fast. But uh, w- when the opportunity presents itself, it's fun, and you take you take pride when you get something like that, just because. So few people are willing to take that risk. A, a, a trainer, it's much safer for them to not go down that road because if the horse were to run poorly or something like that, the next thing you know, you look like a fool and they're wanting to take the, the horse elsewhere. So let, let's talk a little bit about some of your, your favorites and some of like the, the best horses that you've been around or the best horses that you've been training, who, who are some that kind of really come to mind when you think of, uh, think of your, your faves? Well, the, the fastest horse I ever trained was, uh, hate. Yeah. Yeah. And he just had wicked, wicked speed. I mean, he was as fast as any horse in training. He could, 
his problem was he could only carry it so far, but uh, he was an amazing horse, super fast. It was a lot of fun. I remember the first time I ran him at Delta, I had got him from another trainer, and he won by 18 lengths, set the track record. <laughs> and I just looked around at my buddies that were at the table with me, and I said, well, I don't know what a good horse is, but I know this is as close as I'm going to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then what about some of the others or maybe a couple that have uh, been that you claim so, or something like that? Social Misfit is one of my all time favorites. Okay. I think I've trained them now at least four, maybe five different times. He won his first stakes race at age nine for me at Evangeline Downs. That's not generally when horses are getting their first stakes win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I just absolutely love the horse. In fact, I claimed him back last week, the first time I ever claimed an 11-year-old horse. <laughs> nice. And he, okay. uh, he, he, ran se he ran second that day at the fairgrounds, and I look forward to his next start. And, and it's unbelievable when you look through – um, like just like your stats and stuff. I'm. I, I hope you do it every now and then on Equibase and just kind of see because it's fun. And I know you you're not like content because you you still want to keep going up 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 every year. But they oh. even have like a graph of the earnings, which just shows how amazing your run has been over the last ten years. It's like a bar graph, and you see it just going up up up. And when you just look at the raw numbers and you go, wow, last you know up to 400 wins, you know, in 2015 and, and 2017, and then up above 500 wins in 2018, and then 548 wins in 2019. But to me, I think probably one thing that you've, you're maybe even as happy about as it continues to move up is you're now into the top 10 in earnings, which is really nice. You know, like you're, you're starting to move up on, on all of these lists now. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't aware of it. It is mm -hmm. something that, that I take a lot of pride in. I mean, I've been training now for just over 10 years and we're in the top 25 of all time by wins. And when you yeah. look at the, most of the people that were, ch that were chasing in there, it, they've been training 20, for 30, 30 plus years. Yeah. yeah. It, it's unbelievable. And, and a lot of times when people, like you said, a lot of times when people are able to accumulate those numbers, it's because it's been like based on longevity. When you look at you, you look at the winning percentage, which is like hovering around 25 to 30 almost every year. Like it's, it's just absurd. Again, like another really awesome year. And what I love is just looking when like the start of a week like this and looking at the, uh, at like your results from last week and then your entries from this week, you know, you had like winners last week at, uh, you know, fairgrounds, Delta Downs, Sam Houston, you know, another fair, another fairgrounds. I mean, literally just yeah, we, all over the place. <laughs> we, uh, and we've, we've actually had a, by our standards, a horrible, horrible start to the year, but, uh, that Oakland was a little bit of a struggle for a while, right? Uh, Oakland was a struggle, but I knew going in, it would be, it was going to be cyclical kind of round back we, into four. Well, no, I, that's not really why. It was because we uh, we made more of an a focus on Sam Houston okay. with the with the changes in purses, sure, and the level of horses I was running. It just it made more economic sense to run at Houston, sure, uh, and I felt that we would be running against lesser competition, and uh, 
the the expenses of training at Houston are le- are less than what they are at Oakland. So I I knew what was coming there. Unfortunately, yeah. it was worse than I imagined. But uh, there's still a lot of meat left there, and we've I think we've done all right in the claim box, and we'll be uh, turning it around shortly. And so when you look at what's coming up this week, you know you can. See that you have horses at Sam Houston and Oaklawn and Fairgrounds. Um, you know, multiple days throughout the week. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk specifically about what's coming up on Wednesday over at, at Sam Houston, and then uh, and then maybe we'll we'll mention if you if you like anybody else later in the week. If you want to give us a, a thought that who someone you have maybe that's a, that's looking real live or sitting on a big one somewhere. I'm, I'm happy to do it, but what I would caution people that uh, enjoy playing the horses and listen to this program. It's all about finding value. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's exactly. And, and generally, what you're looking to do is we're generally going to be an underlay. I mean, so many mm-hmm. people are going to oh, bet yeah. the barn. Sure, at, absolutely. And, at and Delta the, Downs, you know, barns I think and I jocks, like your a, connections, absolutely. Yeah. At Delta Downs, I could lead a billy goat up, and there's a good chance it might be four <laughs> to five. <laughs> exactly. You can get, like— you can get a little bit sometimes in like a bigger race at at Sam Houston if there's a couple other big barns in there, you know, if yep. there's like a few oh, assets no in there, then then we can find a little value on you sometimes. I think it was like no moss tequila that I still can't um, oh, believe I, got I, it like I, five I to one that, that feeling, day. And I'm and I'm so thankful that that owner was as patient as as he was and and allowed. And that was a young horse that we bought at the sale and. I just had an owner that was patient and let, gave us some time so we could let her grow up. And finally, it all came together for her. And I actually like her on the 21st in the stakes there at uh, Sam Houston. Okay, we'll make a note on that one. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's get into into some Sam Houston for Wednesday. You have, I think, what, six, uh, six horses entered. And the first couple that you have are actually both in race number four. And, I, I mean, I think... Just like handicapping the races, I would have said Kar- Karate Hottie would have been your most likely winner on the card. The only the only reason why I don't think so is because I think your other horse could actually has a shot in there as well. So I mean, it wouldn't um, be shocked to see either one of them. What do you think? The 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 one's got a shot on the front end in, in a good way. Has a, a good chance on the front end. Um, David Cabrera has uh, ridden both uh, her and the other one, and he won the stakes with her at. Uh, Remington, that was a that was a really nice claim we'd made. I think I claimed her for seventeen five, and then she won the hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollar stakes there at Remington. Yeah, she's had some minor setbacks, but glad to see her back to the races. Um, it didn't look like there was a ton of pace in no, that race. I'm doing no. this from memory. No, no, it's, there's not. And what's nice is that because you're she's drawn to the outside. If somebody from the inside does gun a little bit, you're in the spot where you can just kind of sit off and press if need be. And she seems like she's been able to do that too. So you, you she, she seems to be drawn really well. She she is, and uh, she's she's got a good chance in there. And Karate Hottie, I mean that was a that was a nice claim that we made at Churchill. Second in the um, stakes she, at Delta. She actually, yeah, she actually still has her first level allowance condition, which saving it for Lone Star. And she's but, she's great because she can just like she seems super versatile. Like she can just kind of work out any trip that she that that you know the race would would ask for. She really she really can. I, I think she's versatile. She she stalks, but she can put herself basically wherever she needs to be, and she's comfortable going anywhere from five ace up to maybe a mile 
I think we'll find out at some point. And, and not a bad pinch hitter. If you got Cabrera, you know, on, on in a good way, you got Elliot coming to jump aboard. Right. Uh, Stewart's coming down on, I guess, Tuesdays and Wednesdays to uh, ride primarily for uh, Asmussen. But he didn't have one in there, so that's why we were able to secure him. Oh, that works out really well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really tough to beat you to beat you in that one. I think that the two that you have, like based on running styles and the way the race shapes up on paper, they really seem to complement each other because it's just not a ton of speed, and you have two that are going to be either really close or sitting just off. It feels like. Right. Okay. And, let's uh, Hoboken. Oh, yeah, go ahead. yeah, Hoboken. Hoboken in, in race number six is this is just a this ended up being a really nice spot for Hoboken, and you so you you gelded this one recently. Uh, yes, he was actually gelded, uh, before that last race. Okay. Um, but, uh, they didn't pick up on it, but, uh, he, he's, he should run well in there. Um, I know Scott Young had one in there that was coming out of the same race and they both pretty much finished together and both, both will be live. Um, I I really like my chances in that race. Yeah. And he, like, he was at the top of the lane. He was still like well off of it. He really got going late, like down the middle of the track. I would. Would you be shocked if he was a little bit closer even this time? Um, I would. I actually expect him to be on the lead from That's, the yeah from the get go. Yeah, I, I would imagine so too. It just seemed like he really got into it. We know he's got a little more speed from what he showed at Churchill before too. Yeah, th- this one's going to be really, really tough. And that's one that's uh, that's part of End Zone Athletics, also, right? Correct. And then we move to race number eight, which I, this this one is another one that you just claimed, and this is kind of what yeah. we talked we've talked about. You claimed one yeah. for ten, um, but this is a Texas bred, so you're back in with with Texas breads. This is just a really good spot for you, and this is not a race where there's a ton of speed either. And if you're able to get the leader sit close, cutting back, she's going to be really tough to pass. I uh, I hope that's the case. Um... Let's just say she won't go down as my best claim ever, but uh, she's she's in a spot that she needs to be in. Um, it'll be interesting. Don't know first time. Yeah, and then I mean she's she's going second, start, making her second start since July, so she'll she just probably should have gotten a lot out of that last race, you know, get, getting a little more fitness there. I, I I would agree with that. And and then we go to race number nine where you have an entry in here, and this is another entry that that seems like they complement each other pretty well. Wh- what do you think? Would start with Madiba. Is is this his bet? Like, where do you think his best distance is? He's he's bred to run all day, but he wants no part of going a mile. Yeah, right. Like his, he's his 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 best distance is probably six and a half. Okay. Yeah, and kind of the in between. Bre- bre- breeding says otherwise, but that's just not the case with him. Yeah, because he was a horse. So I remember back in you know Southern California, they were like real. He was really high, like very early on in his career. Yep. And he's won some big races. You know, he'll he'll show up with a really nice effort. And if he's able to, like, I'm just like I can't. That's what I was curious. I was trying to figure out where do you, where is he best? And um, so like, what kind of trip do you expect for your two in there with Madiba and with No Richie? I, I expect them both to be sitting just off of it. And I'm just hoping the the race is weak enough where we can get the job done. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a it's a bunch of question marks in this in that race. You know, and that, because 
you you like you look at it and it's like uh, Westmont. I don't know if he's really wants to, he's going to be best going this far. Like Joe Jackson's like a total question mark. Stupefy. He has some speed, but he's been inconsistent. Like you have a major question mark with flight time. What's up with GoPro? Who's dropping? Like there are just a lot of question marks in there. Even your two. It just it's a it's kind of a fun race to to sink your teeth into. It, it really is. Um, there there's a chance for some box car payoffs in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, that's Wednesday at Sam Houston. Just um, you know, maybe one or two throughout the rest of the week. You know, we, we mentioned you have Oaklawn and Fairgrounds, and then you talked about how you're going to have some, uh, um, you know, Lone Star coming up in not too long, and that's going to be a meet you're looking forward to. Delta just ended, so this week with you know Sam Houston with Oaklawn with Fairgrounds, give us like one or two more that you uh, uh, that you think are sitting at, on a big one at, at the at the Fairgrounds on uh, March seventh. I like where. Where you at, JoJo? Okay. Um, That's race is, number three. Yes, this is a horse that uh, I I should have already uh, done the equipment change. I really think he's going to be a different horse with blinkers on because he just seems to capitulate um, anytime a horse comes outside of him and he likes to get out a little bit. And I, I think that we have that resolved with the equipment change and. Fortunately, at the fairgrounds, sometimes you can get value on us because that's not one of our focal points. Yeah, nice. So and, uh, I like that one. And, and before we let you go, just one or two more uh, things uh, to to talk about. Uh, David Cabrera, just an unbelievable, you know, job that that he's been doing with you over at Sam Houston. And it seems like, um, from what I've heard about you, you you just like you like really developing that kind of relationship. With some of your riders so that way You don't really have to give them a lot of Instructions and they can kind of you guys can kind of Understand each other And and what you both want out of Each race for each horse I believe the trainers talk Themselves out of so many wins By giving jockeys instructions Before a race Um, If if you're using a jockey And you have to and you feel like you're Having to give that many instructions you just need a different jockey because you, <laughs> right, riding needs to be instinctual. Yeah. You don't want them thinking about what they were told to do. So we break just, on top and then take yeah. back because they now, were told to take back, you know, something like that. You know, yes. Just, now that could be the worst. I, I'll, I'll, I'll let all the jocks there. I'll, I'll text jocks the, the morning of, or the day of and say, Hey, I want to see this horse forwardly placed or something like that. But that's, that's the extent of it. Yep. And, and then, as and far as for them, they can and they can they can do so much more with that, you know. Okay, I'm going to try to get this horse out of the gate well, and then we can either secure a spot, we can go if need be. It's just not, it's not it. Like it's just harder sometimes. You get inside of your own head trying to completely follow instructions to the letter of the law versus doing what might be better for you to win that race. Very true, and we also have it's our policy. We don't talk to a jockey immediately after the race. They're so conditioned after each race to give excuses and and you're heated after losing. You have to allow for a 12-hour cool-down period and you address it the next day and, and ask questions. Now, yeah. And our jocks know that if there's something that they feel that needs to be conveyed to us immediately after a race, they, we will. But other than that, the last thing I want to do is talk to a jockey after a race, nor do I want any of my assistants to do it. Yeah, it just gives everybody a little more chance to okay, yep. see, you know what, maybe we can watch the race one more time and see what really happened or, you know, take another look at it. You know what? That wasn't Very as bad true. as we thought. You know, maybe that horse in front of you bopped up or you know, something you couldn't see. Cause generally 
what the truth of the answer is outrun is generally what the answer was yeah but yeah. uh the, there's poor jocks are so conditioned to giving excuses after each and every race and well i would hate that job carl broberg the leading trainer by wins in North America every year since 2014. That is an unbelievable feat, and it feels like it's just going to continue each and every year. Because one thing, you know, and just um, in following you on on social media, which you're great. I want to give you a, a chance to plug that in just a second, and just uh, hearing you discuss stuff with you, you're someone who wants to win. But you know what? What I like about you, you're not you're not a bullshitter. You're not going to BS anybody. You know what? You're going to, you just kind of tell it like it is. And, um, and if, if some people don't like that, you know what? Some people don't like that, but you're just going to continue to win. I'm, I'm never going to win a popularity contest, but, uh, I, I do try to have fun with it. And I, I call things like I see it. Probably and, one uh, of my, my biggest character flaws. <laughs> Which, no, but like in, in this game, you're 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 saving everybody time by doing that. There, I think there's just a lot of fluff and a lot of BS, and I think that's like that's the horse player in you. I think coming out is just the not wanting a lot of the BS. Oh, I I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I'm for those that do want to uh, follow on Twitter, um, you, you, I'll I'll throw some interesting points out there. Sometimes it's very I'm trying to inform. Sometimes it's uh, entertainment, whatever, but at least it's not just uh, like like some of the other trainers where you just get the the boring pictures every time they win a race and generic stuff. No, and you're great. Like you'll like you you're very like uh, you answer questions with people like that ask you anything about, you know, I've seen you answer specifics all the time. Um, you, you've got, you know, back and forth with me a few times and we were handicapping the races and, and talking about how the way you think the race is going to shape up and stuff like that. So just a really fun follow and. And so, like, right now, where you have horses at, where are all the tracks that you're going to be running at, like, in the next few um, weeks, let's just say? Well, I'm going to actually open it up a little further than that. We're coming up to Prairie Meadows, begins oh, nice. in May. Nice. Prairie Meadows and Canterbury in May. Oh, great. Um, we got Lone Star starting in April. Um, we're hoping to uh, be a larger presence at Churchill when they open up. Um, Will Rogers Downs in Oklahoma. They uh, open uh, here in just a few weeks. We are, we're moving a few horses there and uh, finishing up at Oaklawn and Fairgrounds. Unbelievable. And, and Lone Star Park is going to be my focal point. And this is this was great because I think there's so many people that just see your name that have probably never heard you talk. That have probably never heard you interviewed or probably don't know any I much, think much I like about it better you. that way. <laughs> I don't. I think you're a lot of fun to talk to, and I've had a lot of fun interacting with you over the last few weeks. And uh, I would love to have you back maybe before the uh, the big day in a few weeks at Sam Houston, and we can maybe preview some of the horses you have running on that card. I look forward to it. March twenty awesome. first. I got to throw in a plug for Sam Houston. Please. Twelve percent yeah. roll. Twelve percent takeout on the rolling doubles and pick threes. Oh, okay, and what, I gotta what get more. Can you ask for? And I don't know if you heard this the other day. What happened with me? I gotta share just because you're the horse player, and I and you'll probably like this. So the other day, on Wednesday of last week, um, I I mean I'm, lo- that's why I'm I love to sell Sam Houston because I don't have to BS when I'm selling it. I can tell people you why when people why are we playing Sam Houston? Well, because I'm getting more money back when I play Sam Houston than I am anywhere else. 
for every 100% double, pick true. three, pick four, pick five. If you're someone that likes to play jackpots, they have those for you. And then the other takeout for the other wagers is comparable to every other track out there. So it just, it, you know, there's a grass course at Sam Houston. It's not like a lot of the, some of the smaller tracks where, you know, it's just um, sometimes it gets real chalky because they, there's just plenty of opportunities there. It, it makes it easy for me, you know, as a, as a horse player to sell. But on the, the pick five on, it was last week on Wednesday, gave it out on the show. And I'm doing it by memory And it's like, you know, something that happens to all of us horse players And I'm kind of last minute, I'm like taking care of my son And I'm doing a few things, and I put my bet in And then in the sixth race Destiny awaits wins And pays 48 bucks And I had the horse on top And I'm going, uh oh let, let me go back and, like, let me just check See, make sure everything I have So I go back and look at my pick five And I realize one horse That I left out in the ninth race And as soon as I realize it I go back and I bet the pick four and I use all the other horses Sure enough That one horse won I would have hit the pick five I gave it out I would have swooped the whole pool But I I can't be too pissed because I came back and I hit the pick four Which ended up paying 6500 I had the five the four out of fives which paid 800 I had those three times So I ended up making like 10 grand when it's all said and done But you're you're sitting there going Ah oh, that 20,000 for that whole pool would have been nice Yes it would have That That's one that uh it makes it tough to sleep that night, but yeah. uh, fortunately, you get a reset and try all over again. This do, and we'll do it again this week on Wednesday. So, Carl, give us your plug on social media one more time. Where can we find you on Twitter, and where can we follow along? And if anyone wants to get in contact with you, uh, I only do the Twitter thing. That's no Facebook, and it's uh, what is it? Let, let's see. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Let me pull. Let's pull it up, Carl. It's, it's, it's like we don't know because we're we're it's our own, right? Yeah. Right. Let's see. Let me get it. And it's uh, even on my silks, for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, at Carl Broberg. There we go. There, there we, we go. go. At K-A-R-L-B-R-O-B-E-R-G. Follow along on Twitter. You got the confirmation. Uh, you got the uh, phone number on there and all the information there to get in contact with Carl. And that is America's leading thoroughbred trainer by wins. That's pretty. I know you, you like you're motivated and stuff, but just anytime hearing that, that's got to be pretty cool as someone who's just been a horse player growing up being like, wow, I've won more races than anybody every damn year since 2014. It, it was, it was fun the first time. And now, now you just try to keep it there and you don't even think about it. Carl, thank you so much, man. I asked you for like 15, 20 minutes and you, you've given me about 45 or so. I really appreciate it. And I look, ta- look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a great day. Bye. Big thank you to Carl for uh, that interview. He's just a he's a regular guy, right? He's he's fun, like he's a, he's a horse player. He's someone that I would like to own horse with. Um, he does a great job, uh, unbelievable job, and just is aggressive with the way he's he's runs his stable, and that's why he wins a a, a ton. So we'll uh, we'll bring him back and talk about some of his horses again because that's the one thing about Carl. We can bring him back any week, and there's going to be a ton of horses to talk about. There's there'll never be a uh, a time where we can't ask him about some of the horses he has running because he is absolutely loaded and he's always very live because he just puts them where they can uh, where where they have a chance to win. So let's uh, talk some Sam Houston for Wednesday. Get your past performances out for March the fourth. 
Horse racing fans and bettors of all kinds, we are very excited to be covering the races from Sam Houston Race Park here on That's What G Said on each and every episode. They're broadcasting in HD, they have bigger purses, turf racing over there, but for me, the key is that 12% low takeout on their multi-leg wagers. Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. They are building a great program over there. It truly is major league racing. We have to give a big applause to the TTA, the Texas Thoroughbred Association. They've added new and Incentives and bonus programs for buying and selling horses So it's better for the customers And it's better for the horsemen in Texas Their social media presence has been bumped up You can follow them at SHRP Racing on Twitter And you're going to find morning training videos The Monday Minute Jockey interviews Or if you're not on Twitter You can find all the information at SHRP.com They're just working so hard to treat their horsemen and women And the betters right So let's give them a little bit of our focus A couple big days coming up February the 22nd is Texas Preview Day, and the big day, March the 21st, that is Texas Champions Day. We'll be covering all of that action here on That's What G Said with all sorts of different interviews focusing in on Sam Houston. Make sure when you go to play the races, give Sam Houston a look with that ultra-low 12% takeout in the multi-leg wagers. Sam Houston, March the 4th. Wednesday, and it's one of those days where there's two pick fives that we can play because it's a 10-race card, and we have a pick five in race number one and a pick five in race number six. So I'll put up two pick fives, and that way if you want to play pick fours or anything else, you'll just know how I have approached every leg all the way through the the 10-race the ten card. So in race number one, I'm going to start with the seven in here, Genesis from Texas, who, you know, this one got some action. In the debut And you know She was in the mix early She just raced on February uh, the 28th Actually Most recently And she's going to wheel back quickly This barn is really good On the quick turnaround On 1-7 to seven days They are 13 from for 53 Which is 20% all time With a 191 ROI And they've won with 2 of their last 4 That they've wheeled back very quickly I feel like there's more to this one Then we've seen who's going to drop in class From the, the state bred maiden 25s To the, now to the state bred maiden 15 So Genesis from Texas will be on all of my tickets The two home early surely is no doubt the one to beat I'm going to drop And if you key off the races against the maiden claimers You're just left with the filly who's going to be really really tough in here Blinkers on Cabrera is going to be aboard again She pressed from the two paths She was just a length behind And she was a length behind the leader And she got pinned inside Um... She she angled out at the top of the lane uh, But it was just a little bit too late She was kind of flat So a better trip would probably win this race And she's going to be pretty tough in here The three, I think you can make a case for Paddle Wheel, who was a step slow And then moved through to third Took back to get off the rail But couldn't re-rally uh, She was actually favored in her debut But she started to show a little bit of improvement now In a couple starts And this is not a bad spot for her Triple account, another one you can make a case for With the big speed, uh, the blinkers come on Just has shown nothing late But those races have been against better And she was a good start She was one of six horses who wanted the lead And then one of three that ended up clearing off And she was in between horses So it really wasn't a, it wasn't the smoothest Easiest of trips For a horse who's flashing a little speed in there Um, Yeah, Sweet Tomato Pie is going to go third off the bench the, the you know, From the inside uh, Wit 9 had a fine start But then really couldn't keep up True Runner 
was squeezed back at the start did come from way out of it. I can make a case for like true runner picking up some of the pieces in here, but I'm seven, two, three, four. That's how I've approached race number one. And I'm going to make the one Genesis from Texas, one of those horses that I'm going to probably play a few bucks to win on. I just think there's a lot of upside with this one. Um, so keep an eye on the, the seven Genesis from Texas. And we'll use with the two, like in all the exotics and then maybe the three or four, if we want to go a little bit deeper. Race number two, $25,000 claimers, non-winners of three lifetime. They're going to travel a mile on the turf course in here. Uh, one race. Uh, I'm going to go with the seven, Dracaris. Game of Thrones fans, get ready. Second off the bench for this seven-year-old. His turf form is just really solid. Look at the overall turf form. He's going to go second start off the bunch now, and he comes back to the green. So he is not he didn't raced from September of 29 to February of, of 2020. And that, the last start that we saw from him, it just looked like a race that he really, really needed. I think he was behind a really sharp horse, too, in Rock and Roll Rocket. And this is just going to be a much, much better race where he's going to be a little bit more fit, and he's back to the green. Last couple times we saw him on the grass wasn't bad on September the uh, September the third. Prior to that, on July the thirtieth, that was his first start in a few years, and that was his first start in a year. He hasn't raced since from May to July, uh, from May of eighteen to July of twenty nineteen. There, so. We're talking about a horse who's had a couple different layoffs. He's now putting a couple, uh, another race under his belt, and he's going to go second off the bench a little bit. I think he's got a big, big opportunity to take a nice step forward in here. So the seven will have on top everywhere. The eight is no doubt the one to beat. That's Moji. He's the speed of the race in here. And if you look at some of you know his best races, we're talking about wins at Saratoga against fifty non-two claimers. I mean, like that kind of an effort would absolutely destroy. This group, so he has to be used on all your tickets. Uh, the three got no cash. It's kind of a long shot in here. He's going to go third start off the bench. He had a slowish break towards the rear, then he moved up in between without really being asked. He was up to within three, but he was chasing lone speed, a lone speed that ended up winning by four and a half. It was a better than looks race on paper. So got no cash. I think you can, you know, you can use this one in some of your exotics. The one Hawkwood, you're going to get speed most likely from this one, who was very impressive in his career uh, debut on the grass. His first turf start was last time out, and he had a slow start. He had to push through traffic to get up to challenge for the lead, and he really had to work to finally get the lead, and he was in a battle. He was back to second in the two-path and then rebid at the top of the lane. He worked hard. He was you know, throwing it down basically all the way around the track. It was very impressive for your first turf start. That was against 25 non-two claimers. Now you're going to face the 25 non-three claimers. He's tough to completely exclude from your exotics. And then you have Moolah John. He's 0 for his last 10. He just he really had no shot in his last start chasing lone speed. He might have needed the race two back. If you're looking at the, the form prior to that, you could play him. He's just been awful in his few, couple starts here at Sam Houston recently. Now you see Parker jumping aboard. And this is one of those horses that I've been on both of the times that he's run at Sam Houston. I don't really want to give up on him now at a massive, massive price. So he's not a horse that I'm going to be like focusing all of my exotics on. But I think he's absolutely worth throwing into one of your pick fours or one of your pick fives and giving you a, you know, a massive, massive price chance to, uh, to, you know, to light up the tote. So in race number two at Sam Houston... I have 7, 8, 
three, one, four. That's the order of finish. I kind of have seven, eight on a, a top tier, and then um, the rest below three, one, four. The eight is no doubt the one to beat. Right, no doubt about it. But you can make a couple cases for some of these other horses, like Hawkwood with some upside. How about the seven Dracaras, who I, you know, we have on top. Who, you know, these are the kind of horses at Sam Houston where I think you, if you go back and dig a little bit, you can get some of these really sneaky prices. So seven, eight, three, one, four in race number two. Let's move on to race number three. I'm kind of Captain Obvious in this third race. I, um, I do think the six is going to be. The one who I'd lean slightly towards. I was a really big fan of of his victory. And, you know, in his debut, he was sprinting. I think it's easy to excuse that effort and say, okay, you know, because he was so much better going long, you know, that's just what he wanted to do. He completely missed the break when on February 5th when he won. He was last of eight going into the turn. He was eight lengths off. And then he settled. He made a huge early four-wide move, take the lead before the top of the lane, and he kicked on. He was extremely impressive. Um, I think you know you have to use him in all exotics. Parker is actually going to leave the six and go to the five, Shanghai Skipper. And Shanghai Skipper had a really tough trip from the inside. He shuffled back. Then he was in between horses. He was blocked. He was in tight all the way. Uh, he, he was back to last of eight. And he was four lengths off. He just had nowhere to go. And he was chasing the top two who were merry-go-rounds all the way. You notice two back. He comes out of a really, really tough race there with a couple next out winners. So I think Shanghai Skipper, you know, is an obvious, obvious contender in here. And he's not one I'm trying to beat. And then the three, Indian Cross. He comes out of that same race with Shanghai Skipper. And, you know, he had a good start. He was three deep into the turn. Then he sat third. And he got kind of caught in between horses. And he took back. Uh, he was, you know, just not able to rebid after having to, to take back. Now he's going to go second start off the two-and-a-half-month break. He should be sharper today. You know, the top two in that race who were running 1-2 all the way around, they finished 1-2. It was just a hard race to pass horses in here. Cabrera jumps on for Asmussen, so you see, I'm not really like anything outside the box in here. I'm just your top three betting choices. I hate doing something like this, and from a betting standpoint, this is not the the correct way to wager if you're playing a pick four or pick five. You should never play three horses like I'm pretty much going to do. I guess the only thing is that Indian Cross maybe won't be like... They're not going to be, I think, three very, very short prices, I'm hoping. But generally, this isn't the smartest way to play when you have... You know, a nine to five shot, and you have uh, a three to one shot, and then you know you're looking at you know three of the top betting choices in the race. You really shouldn't be playing A, B, C. You should be picking and choosing. If I like Rama, maybe single Rama. If you like Shanghai Skipper, so you know if you're if you're asking of the of the three of them, I think Rama could get the the trip in here. But that's what makes this difficult. Is I really don't have a knock coming off of that last effort. Shanghai Skipper should be much better, and I think the three is the other one. So. Yep, Captain Obvious in here, 6-3-5 in race number three from Sam Houston. Let's go to the fourth race, six and a half furlongs. These are optional 20s, and I'm going to start with the five in here. This was the race that we talked about with Carl, uh, with uh, Karate Hottie. She's the one to beat, and the reason why I lean towards her versus I'm um, in a good way is just that 
she's got a little more sit in her. She's a little bit more versatile. She she has that really nice style, and she can, I think, adapt to different types of trips. And uh, she was close up in between horses in second flight. She got pushed uh, back to fifth. She lost some ground, but she stayed calm. She waited. She got a nice opening, and she's just very impressive. And then you have In a Good Way, who will really compliment the Broberg runner because, you know, this one, as he mentioned, Carl uh, mentioned, he has a little bit more speed. And if she gets the lead or she sits really close on the cutback, she could be very, very tough to get by. She exits a really strong race, the, and a race where she flashed some speed inside, but um, got hooked in a battle with a 50-to-1 shot, and, and so she was just really weakened up late. You look at Rose of Malibu, who's multiple stakes placed, and you look at the the runner up there is stakes placed. That was just a tough race in a good way is coming out of the seven would be the other horse uh, in this race that if you're looking to go a little bit deeper, uh, I do think the fives is um, the one to beat the six I will use in some other exotics as well. And then the seven, our musical moment is another kind of price horse who lures Parker. And if you toss the stakes where they are in a little bit too tough, Toss the turf. I mean, you're looking what you're looking at a 20 claiming win, two back at Remington Park. Last time we saw this one on the main. If you need to work out a trip, and you have a little bit of outside speed, right? There's not a ton of speed in here. I think maybe Pretty Britches, and in a good way, will probably like Morgan's David's quick too. So you know, in a good way, might be sitting. Our musical moment shouldn't be too far out of it. So maybe works out a nice trip in here with Parker. Let's go five, six. Seven in race number four. Let's go to race number five, where you have a maiden special weights mile on the turf course in here. Now I'm gonna go to the five Dynamo Kid. In his debut, he was a close up. Uh, he was close up. He was in the four path. He was a couple lengths off. He was in between horses, and he had to take up and back up, and then he had to move widest of all. It really was not bad. Since then. Tried to go long on the grass in a race that was taken off the grass. You can put a line right through that and excuse it. And that was over at fairgrounds. And then last time out was sprinting on the main track. Now adds the blinks. A first time gelding. And if we're just playing off of that debut race. Like if if he didn't run on the, the next two times. And we were just saw the debut race. You would play. He would get a lot more play. But I think because his last couple races haven't been very good, he'll float up a little bit in price. Let's go with the five Dynamo Kid getting back on the green here. The number three Schemer is going to stretch out and try the grass for Brett Calhoun. Comes in from Fairgrounds. There are three daughters of Evita's sister that have raced. Two of them are winners, and both of them won on the grass. So Schemer should take a nice step forward. On the green in here He had a slow start He was last He was 8 off He moved pretty well late But he was just too far back For it to matter He got some action Like all the, the Calhouns Generally do early uh, In their first couple starts The 6 horse Battleship Brew Coming in off of a Runner up effort In his first turf start And the 5th place finisher From that race Came back to win A maiden, uh, maiden 50 next out It was a smooth start for him He settled in 6th He was mid pack He was 6 off He kept to the outside and he was on the scene late for second. Not a bad effort. No real knocks. I think he's one to use in, in the exotics. And then the nine, let's go Alamo. He's one who, he got a little bit of play on his debut. And now you're going to get Cabrera jumping aboard to stretch out and try the grass. Let's throw him in some of our exotics. So we'll put the five Dynamo Kid on top of the three. Schemer. 
of the six, Battleship Brew of the nine, Let's Go Alamo. We'll use those in our exotics, uh, five, three, six, nine. Race number six at Sam Houston. Let's begin with the number two, D Cordova, who she debuted, or he debuted, going long on the turf. Now, and that was against Maiden Special Weights. Now he's going to drop in for 50, but you're going to cut back to a dirt sprint. I mean, he had a brutal start. He got bumped. He was uncomfortable. He was uh, bumping around, and he moved in between horses slightly. He just never seemed happy. He was getting kind of bumped uh, early. I think you just put a line right through it. I like the fact that he got a little action. I think it was a good race in that it'll get him some fitness. Getting, you know... A race experience is like seven or eight works. I mean, nothing in the morning can get you that kind of experience. So, D. Cordova, let's play him kind of like a first-time starter who just has a little bit of fitness, extra fitness under his belt from that mile-going-long race. I think he's a total wild card in here. I, I mean, wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't didn't show up at all. But I think at a price, he's he's absolutely worthy of including in a total wild card in a race that I mean, I'm not terrified of anybody except for Hoboken. And that's why I'll use the two at a big price, De Cordova, with Hoboken. Because Hoboken is going to be really tough. The one that we talked to Carl about, um, he's a first-time geld, or he's a gelding now. He said he was actually gelded before, so now he'll be a second-time gelding. And he just missed. He was mid-pack. He was still, like, fifth at the top of the lane. And he really got going late down the middle of the racetrack. And now he's going to go second start of the year. Carl said he thinks he's going to be closer to the lead. I think so, too. He'll be, you know... Much more forwardly placed, and he's going to be tough to get by in here. And so Hoboken will be on uh, all of my tickets there. So I have two and seven in the top tier, hopefully using the two to kind of spice up some of the exotics. And, you know, other horses to uh, to keep an eye on. The four fast Louie, he bobbled a bit, but he was fast. He was up to the lead, and he will likely be forwardly placed in here. Uh, he got pressure from the inside from Valiant Appeal, who ended up just crushing. And now he's going to cut back. So if he's close to the lead, he could be tough. The five Mule Skinner, he's another one who I mean, he was six to one against Maiden 25s when he dropped in. That was his first start in a few months. He has every right to improve off of that effort. And he has some really good big speed that we've seen him show before at Remington. He just hasn't stuck around a little bit. But I mean, a repeat of his August 29th race at Remington. That, that race would go a long way in here. It's not like he's some completely hopeless long shot who's actually been good against... He's been competitive at least one time against open maiden specials. Mule Skinner will use in the bottom of some of the exotics in here. So I have two D Cordova, seven Hoboken, obvious one to beat. The four, Fast Louie. The five, Mule Skinner will use them in the exotics there. Let's move on to race number seven. This is a first-level allowance, going a mile on the turf course in here. The number four, early time is going to be where I begin. So let's look at early time. He just came off of a a couple of a month break. He raced on February the 15th. Prior to that, we haven't seen him um, since a race at Turfway where he was just not very good over the synthetic. But if you look at the races before that, his grass form has always been, or her grass form has always been, pretty consistent you you know you're gonna get a decent effort from her if they go quick she'll make a late run she's not you know she doesn't have a ton of early speed which is fine I I I just feel like she wrote she ran pretty well last time out it was kind of sneaky she was seventh she was seven off she was in the two path and she she had some nice energy she started to move she had to go six wide widest of all it was 
it was a good run in what it was a pretty strong race. If you look at the horses who were in front of her that day, those are a couple nice horses on the grounds over here at Sam Houston. I think early time makes a lot of sense in here as a horse who can take a nice, nice step forward, second start off the, the little bit of a break, and you know getting another race under the grass under him last time out. Early time, we'll be using this filly in all of our exotics, and this will be one that we probably put a few bucks to win on. And then number five, Amandrea, who has big speed coming in from Fairgrounds and from Churchill. She's going to be tough to leave out of the exotics in there. The three, Leather and Lace, is very, very sharp. She's in excellent form right now. She's looking for her fourth consecutive win and her third straight for the new barn. And then you have Countenance, who has won two in a row. She's looking for her third in a row. And she's never won on the grass, but she hasn't exactly been bad on the grass. The last two races were taken off the grass that she's won, but she can, you know, win this race on the grass also. So four, five, three, two. We'll hope the four is the horse that can help us spice some of the exotics up, and that is early time. Let's go to race number eight, and we will use the number nine, Ruby Does Sparkle. As the single, this is the the Broberg that he trained uh, that he claimed for ten thousand. He's gonna he claim for an open a ten thousand and an open ten thousand claimer. And now, not only are you dropping to the five thousand level, you're dropping to the five thousand Texas bred level, which makes this even a softer spot. So it's Broberg first start off the claim. There's a field without any real pace. You're gonna go second start off the long layoff. This horse had not raced from July 2019 to February 2020. Then you face tougher and open company. Now you're dropping in class. You're getting a nice, nice post on the outside with the speed. Or you can press a little bit if somebody tries to gun and take the lead away from you. I think the 9, Ruby, does sparkle. It's going to be very, very tough in here. And uh, likely a horse to single in some of your late exotics, at least on, on one ticket. I, I usually like to, try, uh, to play some multiple tickets. I will use the 2, Stormy Depenser. Who missed the break and ended up last Was seven off, was stuck inside, was chasing Lone speed And this might just be where she's Better and she belongs at, at this type of a level Because she was just a $3,500 purchase I think they're trying to figure out where This filly fits, she should be a little Closer up today stretching out from five Furlongs to seven furlongs The number six there's another one uh, that we'll be including Kind of the, some of the bottom of the exotics And maybe on some of our backup tickets That's Ayata, who is getting major Class relief today, but You just have tons of question marks About the dirt, she's only raced once On the dirt, that was in her career debut She does have a little bit of ability Though, so that's why, uh, you know, you can use uh, Ayata in, in some of your Exotics, and then the number 7 Miss Spicy who's going to go third start off the bench She's just been in a little bit too tough uh, in, in her last couple This should be a much better spot for her Nine, two, six, and seven in race eight At Sam Houston Race number nine Yeah, this one is just really, really fun to, to handicap Because this is the one that we were talking about with Carl That he he wasn't sure And, you know, this could be a, a price type race Let, Let's start with the five Joe Jackson I'm just playing Joey in here As a total wild card Because it looks like the type of race Where you can you know, find a price He came over to Sam Houston On February the 12th And he had a good start But he ended up getting parked four wide you know, Mid-pack And then he's quickly up to press the leaders He's just off the pace And then he fades So it was kind of a weird trip Now you get the cutback From seven furlongs to six furlongs It's second time at Sam Houston 
kind of looking for where he belongs, looking for which level is is where he should be facing, uh, what level he should be at, what kind of company he should be facing. I think Joe Jackson, a horse who I remember from Southern California, who does have a little bit of ability, he can kind of press off if need be. He, you know, he can pass some horses. Let's use Joey in our exotics. Then number five, Joe Jackson will put on top the number six, Stupefy, who hooked a horse named Rock and Roll Rocket, who's won two of the last three. Last out, you know what you're going to get from Stupefy. His big speed on the cutback could be very dangerous in here. The number four, Westmont. You're getting the services of Parker, who's jumping back on this one. He was aboard a couple starts back. I think Westmont ended up a little farther back than he wanted to be early on last out. He moved three deep. He was up from seventh. He was into a nice striking spot. He was third, and you know which was three deep at the top of the lane. The runner-up in that race, Long Station, came back to win a next out against the 5,000 non-winners of uh, two on the year. The seven, you know, flight time, you have a Steve Asmussen horse. He claimed this one for 7,500. He tried the 12-5 um, non-winners of the year at Oaklawn, but he hooked a muddy and off-racetrack. And, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to forgive when horses don't run well on an off-track, even though this horse has had previous experience over and, and done well, you just never know if they get over that particular track that particular day. Flight time is tough to completely dismiss. I mean, GoCro, who's dropping in class from open first level allowance, is really tough to dismiss. And then what about the the Broberg entry of Madiba and No Richie? You know, he thinks that six and a half might be the best distance for Madiba, who just really doesn't want to go long, but you would think he wants to go long. And then No No Richie should be at least. Picking up some pieces in here. Really, really tough race. I have five on top of six, on top of four, on top of seven, on top of nine, on top of two. Five, six, four is kind of like the top tier. I guess five, six, four, seven, and nine, two. I mean, like I said, this is the hardest race for me all day long to handicap. You can you can really build cases for many. Let's close things out in race number 10 with a made a special weight mile and a 16th. On the turf course in here The four I just want to have fun Was facing Maiden 50s Last time out Was squeezed back at the start Was sixth of seven Was five off, was in between horses And didn't run poorly late Was only beating a couple lengths Now he's going to go second start off the bench Stretches out, picks up Cabrera I think this gal Is very very live in here I'm going to go with the four on top I just want to have fun. The six horse is absolutely the one to beat. That one comes into the Asmussen barn for the first time. And the turf form from you know the race at Colonial, the race at Laurel, those were both excellent. Should be really, really live in here if she shows up and she's ready to go. So four, six. The five is, is a good horse to use in your exotics. That's Wappy. Wappy's going to get back to the green And look what Wappy's done on the grass He's been in the money in, or She's been in the money in 6 of her 8 starts She's been beaten just a neck I mean, She's been right there a couple times Behind horses who came out of those races To win next out against better So that tells me that she's been fine Against good horses I, I like Wappy To hit the board at least in here And we'll be using Wappy in some of our exotics The 9 horse is another one uh, Depending on uh, how deep you want to go that's Fika, who we last saw over at 
fairgrounds and you know she's just coming out of better races they're maiden claiming races but they're probably just as tough very comparable now you're going to come into the brett calhoun barn and you're going to get parker so obvious contender there and, and then the eight golden perfection is another one who would be no shock you know you can excuse the synthetic and just play off the turf races prior to that and those would be very competitive in here so i have four six five nine eight in race number ten so let's go through how I've kind of set up uh, some of the plays for the day. Uh, in race number one, we'll start with the pick five. Remember, if you're not a pick five player, that's fine. You can play a pick four in race number two. You can just play pick threes or doubles. What's great? The doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, all 12% takeout. First race, pick five, two, three, four, seven with one, three, four, seven, eight with three, five, six. We'll single the five. And then three, five, six, nine in race number four. And then if you want a different approach to a ticket, we'll do something like this uh, for that early pick five. Two, seven with seven, eight with three, five, six with five, six, seven. So we'll play a backup ticket where we use a few others in the same race where we would single on the first ticket. And then we'll close things out with three, five, six, nine. So that one's two, seven with seven, eight with three, five, six with five, six, seven with three, five, six, nine. On to the sixth race. Pick fives, same thing. If you want to cut, um, you want to add, you want to play doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. Here's the way that I'm approaching from a pick five standpoint, and you can mold, add, subtract, do whatever you'd like. Race number six, two, seven. Race uh, with two, three, four, five. With two, six, seven, nine. With four, five, six, seven. With four, six. We'll play another ticket, and, and the second ticket is where we will have a single, and then we'll go deep in their legs around the single. So we'll go... Sixth race, two, four, five, seven with two, three, four, five. Single the nine with two, four, five, six, seven, nine with four, five, six, eight, nine. Horses throughout the day to include in race number one, the number seven, Genesis from Texas. In race number two, the number seven, Dracaris. Make sure to include in all of your exotics. Race number five, the five, Dynamo Kid. Make sure to include in all of your exotics. Race number six, the two, D Cordova. Make sure to include in all of your exotics. The seventh race, the number four, Early Time. And the tenth race, the number four, I Just Want to Have Fun. Most of these will be playing win wagers on as long as they, didn't, they don't get hit too hard um, with, the, with their prices. And... All of these horses that are telling you about our prices. So to me, it feels like a day where if we can catch a couple of these in some of the exotics, we could be set up for a really, really nice score. Best of luck on Wednesday at Sam Houston. Let's uh, keep it keep it in the horse racing world and talk a little bit about what's coming up this weekend. We have three Kentucky Derby prep races that are going to be dishing out points to the top finishers of each race. I just want to let you know what the fields look like right now and who are some of the horses we can expect to be seeing this weekend. I'm always surprised that we don't, especially with Baffert right now, with how many good horses that he has, that he's not sending horses to like all over, like New York. Why not Tampa? You know, places like that. And try to steal some of those Kentucky Derby points instead of having to run horses against each other, which he's going to have to do in the San Felipe and the Rebel coming up. But in the Gotham, it looks like Attachment Rate, uh, Celtic Striker, First Deputy, Flapjack, Informative, Mischievous Alex, who was really impressive winning at Gulfstream 
um, a few weeks back. Um, Montauk Traffic, Necker Island, Sixto, Untitled, Warstopper, and Big City Bob. I mean, there are no huge names in there for uh, a Kentucky Derby points race. And over at Tampa Bay, in the Tampa Bay Derby, it looks like we're going to have Sol Volante, the winner of the Sam F. Davis, Chance It, who was scratched from the Fountain of Youth because of that tough post the other day for Safety Joseph Jr. So Chance It's going to end up being rerouted here. Violent City, Texas Swing, Palm Springs, Market Analysis, King Guillermo, Let Me Know, uh, Relentless Dancer, Momosa, and Spin City, all probables for the Tampa Bay Derby, which is also March 7th. So three preps on March the 7th. It's a big day at Aqueduct, it's a big day at Tampa, and it's a big day at San Anita because it's the San Felipe where we're going to see Thousand Words and Authentic from Baffert, Honor AP, who's been kind of a buzz horse, uh, Fast Enough, Wrecking Crew, and then the two-year-old champ Storm the Court. So that's a, this is a big weekend coming up with three Kentucky Derby preps and a lot of points on the line. And then next weekend, we have the Jeff Ruby from Turfway Park, and we have the Rebel. We're in the Rebel. It looks like we're going to see Nadal for Baffert, Basin making his return to the races, Silver Prospector, no parole for Amos, eight rings for Baffert, three technique, Wells Bayou, some of the other probables in there. Shit's about to get real, folks, on the Derby Trail. We're about to get into the uh, the big prep time of the year every weekend there's going to just be another big 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 race going on with major major Kentucky Derby implications right now Ette Indian is your current points leader he's got 54 modernist is second with 50 enforceable is third with 33 storm the court is fourth with 22 I mean a good effort from storm the court should put him right into the into the Derby if he finishes you know top two probably even top three he should be in Tis the Law is number five. Uh, Silver Prospector is number six with 21 points. Thousand Words is number seven. So, yeah, we'll see, you know, Storm the Court running this weekend. We'll see, you know, next weekend, Silver Prospector. Uh, Thousand Words we'll see running this weekend. Major Fed is number eight. He has 20 points. Candy Tycoon, he's up to number nine with his 20 points. Shotsky's 10 with his 19. Silver State's number 11. Independence Hall will not be running at Tampa. He's going to be running in the Florida Derby. That's going to be his last opportunity to get some points to get into the derby and he's probably going to need some with his 14 when things happen over the next few weeks he's probably going to be on the outside looking in heading into that Florida Derby Azul Coast he's uh, 14 points he's number 13 on the list Shoplifted is 14 a new Dior he is number 15 on the leaderboard Maxfield who's getting back working again uh, they're going to be searching out opportunities for him to run eight rings is number 17 Sol Volante we'll see him this weekend he's 18 Dennis's moment, really disappointing effort from Dennis's moment in the Fountain of Youth. Didn't seem like anything was wrong with Dennis's moment, so we'll find out if he continues on the Derby Trail. Gold Street, he's number 20. He has 10 points. And then just on the outside looking in, you know, you have Max Players, 21. As seen on TV, he's 22. Looks like he's going to get another opportunity um, on the uh, the Triple Crown Trail, on the Kentucky Derby Trail. Authentic, we'll see him this weekend. New York Traffic, looks like he's going to get a shot in one of the uh, the prep races, another one, maybe uh, Louisiana Derby, if he can get in. Um, Ajaweed, Scabbard, Answer In is number 27. Uh, Wrecking Crew is 28. Finnick the Fierce is 29. And Mailman Money. Those are your current top 30. Mailman Money has just five points. So we're going to see, you know, the, these courses starting to drop down the list now as we, the big, big points races are coming up this weekend. Let's take a quick break, and then when we return, we'll close things out talking a little wrestling.
One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, Home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. When I'm watching wrestling right now, I'm like I, I'm watching WWE, and I'm someone who's always loved WWE, WWF, and Monday Night Raw, and uh, you know ev- everything. Like y- you name it, I'm watching Raw, SmackDown, pay per views, at the WWE Network. Love it. I, I don't know how it, the same company that is doing things like doing a great job with Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. Like, I like what's going on with that feud. Drew McIntyre has been a very good build over the last few months, you know, prior to, to winning the Royal Rumble and then through winning the Royal Rumble. And I, I love what they're doing with the Randy Orton Edge stuff. That's very, it's intense. It's a good angle. I like what they've done with that. How is that the same, same people that are deciding to just let Goldberg beat the Fiend in Saudi Arabia? That have Ricochet get completely squashed and then come back and lose again on Monday Night Raw to someone who's not on his level at all. The same people that have The Undertaker come back and show up at Saudi Arabia and beat AJ Styles with one move. I don't mind having The Undertaker in the mix, but he shouldn't be showing up and... And it shouldn't be Undertaker, Lesnar, and Goldberg destroying some of, 
your everyday wrestlers, your everyday up-and-coming stars, the ones that are going to be there on TV each and every week. You cannot bury Ricochet like that. AJ Styles can't get buried like that. You can't do that to The Fiend once you've done all this good work and then you have Goldberg just beat him easily like 50-year-old Goldberg. You just can't do that. In wrestling almost everywhere else before, the older veteran guys and gals were the ones that would help get the younger and the new up-and-coming stars over. They'd help make them become stars by beating them. They'd put them over. And it's the opposite in the WWE. I don't get it. I don't know what the reasoning is for. They're so latched on to the stars from yesteryear that it just becomes really frustrating and none of the new talent can really become a star. They just don't feel like that. Anytime someone becomes a star, you know, they get sent right back down the the totem pole. And, you know, it's frustrating. 